Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. I'm Robbie Krieger-Smith. And I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. Welcome to the Isolation Series on Political R&D. I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. Robbie Krieger-Smith is on vacation in his basement. My guest host today is Mark Taylor, professional engineer and former Alberta Party Executive Director. Mark tried to take a break from politics, but was sucked back in during self-isolation. Happy to have you back, Mark. Welcome to social distancing, where weekends don't matter, it's the same day every day. That's true. There is no... There is no... uh, There's there's no end to the news cycle right now well there's no end to the news cycle but with so many people working from home what does it mean to work a five and two week schools are closed businesses are closed like there is no such thing as a five and two week anymore no nobody knows what day it is you know your office your computer is in your home so you could be working at three o'clock in the morning or you could come down and work on sunday or uh everything is everything is going to get messed up yep yeah. Or we're welcoming the rest of the workforce to the entrepreneurial life. <laughs> Where there's never a break. It's yeah. true. It's true. We had one one particular thing and you know, thank God it's off the plate now. CPC leadership has been delayed. <laughs> Yay. Sort of that is <laughs> it is one less thing that we have to hear about because nobody cared. We were really at the point where nobody cared. Yeah, yeah. Well, with, yeah. with the exception of maybe Peter McKay. Oh yeah. Well, he cared. <laughs> he'll be dialing you up with the big rotary dial. You hear the tick, 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 tick. And, I, and that'll, I be, love... that'll be hard on his finger because now he has to dial all eleven numbers because you're going to have to put the one up first. <laughs> And then you have to wait for it to click back. For those who remember rotary phones back in my day, you know, small towns, you only had to dial four numbers. Oh, wow. Mark, how? Oh, but you're from Saskatchewan. That's why. Yes. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Four numbers. That's all we had to do. You wanted to talk to somebody, four numbers. Okay. So when I was growing up, we had seven. Right. I did have to do, uh, because we lived, we lived out in Black Falls, actually in Red Deer for quite a while was long distance. Yep. Yep. Well, so the next, the next town over was always long distance, but yeah, especially if you were rural, everyone was long distance, and you couldn't call anyone outside of there. But Red Deer could because yep. businesses. Yeah. Yep. And then of course you also had the old farm lines, and depending on what what ringtone it was, and not tone because that's a new thing. How many rings <laughs> it was was depending on who's who was it was because it was the party line. So the party speak. line. Yeah. Yes, I have I have heard lots of stories about. I mean, people who are in their 80s now who used to sit on the party lines and listen to everybody else's conversation. Yeah. Because you could. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so along with the party lines and the rotary phones and being able to dial four numbers to call people uh, is the CPC leadership race in the dust. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and about freaking time. Like, it's... (laughs) How how do you go that long wanting to be the government of this country 
and and somehow miss the point that there's a pandemic going on. Right. It was, uh, let's see, my tweet the other day was narrator. Until it, it affected them personally, they were completely unaware of the obstacles facing their leadership candidates, potential candidates, volunteers, donors, members, etc. Like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just, it wasn't even just tone deaf. It was like, oh, since the, since our headquarters is closed, really? <laughs> now it's a problem for you personally. Oh yeah, that was just, that was, that was fantastic. Really. Yeah, well, it would have been like, okay, we're going to send the ballots out. Who's going to count them? <laughs> somebody, alrighty, maybe we should cancel this thing until somebody is prepared to open an envelope. Like, <laughs> You don't even need the white powder coming out. It's like, who's touching the envelopes? That's right. Exactly. Who coughed on this and then mailed it to us? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that was okay. And really, there's not too much more to say about it. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it's, it was the right decision. Um, of course it, it was. <laughs> it was really I, late. <laughs> it was a late decision. But, I mean, it's... It demonstrated, and we said this in the last podcast, and I'm hoping that you still post. Yeah, I'm that, um, that this the unedited is, version. Yeah, this is an indication that like you want to govern, and you're not reading the room. Like it took yes. them, like like the candidates have been calling for this for well, most of the candidates have been calling for it to be two weeks. Peter McKay had been like, we need to get rid of Andrew Shear, and it should be me. Um, so he was calling for something completely different, uh, but like they they were totally just oblivious to what's going on. And how how do you do that with you know every news cycle is talking about the same virus? Like <laughs> like even Fox is talking about it. So if you don't believe in the mainstream media, you're you're in the fake news category. Even Fox is talking about there's COVID. Like yeah, how how did you miss how did you miss there was a pandemic going on? Well, and, and even in, like, even in Ontario, I mean, it's actually been, uh, so it was Tuesday, Tuesday at midnight, Ontario shut down non-essential businesses. So this announcement still took two more days after yep. that happened. Well, maybe they were still trying to figure out whether or not they were essential. <laughs> in their, in their mind, they probably were. <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> well, and, and let's add the extra layer of they had to con probably had to contact Doug Ford to ask if they were essential. <laughs> Doug, do we get to stay open? Liquor stores can stay open. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> People need uh, their official opposition. <laughs> oh my god, and that's and that's the thing. Actually, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. Um, Rachel Notley is not getting a lot of attention either. The official opposition right now, it it just doesn't matter. The the role of official opposition in this type of environment is to make things better, not to oppose. Now, now, I'm I'm sure some purists of parliamentary procedure will will argue with me, but really at the end of the day, it's we're all we're all looking out what's best for Alberta, what's best for the country. We uh, should, yeah. With, with this whole, um, you know, the liberals tried to turn us into uh, whatever, you know, it's a dictatorship. Trudeau wants to be a dictator now because of the one act. There was a great Twitter 
thread on this is how basic negotiations start. We present something big, you come back with a counter, and we move forward with what's best. And instead, the we find a happy medium. Yeah, the conservatives ran to the media claiming that Trudeau was trying to be a dictator, which I'm yeah. sorry, his popularity is too high for that to <laughs> stick anywhere. You haven't exactly proven to be competent because you still hadn't shut down your leadership race. So <laughs> this this will be this will this is gonna be a long standing joke. Oh yeah, it will. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it just goes back to the incompetence of, of the leadership, not not just the Andrew Shearer leadership, but the actual whole party, the people who wanted to be the leader, the people who are sitting on their board of directors, the MPs. Like, like Michelle Rampel tweeted out yesterday before they canceled it or the day before, before they canceled it, it was like, Peter, Aaron, stop doing this. I put you on my Facebook feed. Like, like she was offering... Like she heard, at that point, she's now endorsed two of the four candidates. She's already said, she didn't say all four, I'll put all four on my feed. She just said, right, Aaron and right. Peter, stop this and I'll put you on my Facebook. So she already identified who the top <laughs> tier ones were. And it was like, please stop, because this is juvenile. <laughs> but where's the other, where's the rest of them going? This is dumb. We got one guy going, I'm going to show up to work and, and make them all stand away from me. And then I'm going to say no. And then we have to have a vote. And it's like, <laughs> completely missing the point so it's you know back to my point of originally the role of an official opposition at this point is make things better offer yeah, perspective support yeah well support but offer support ish like support yeah yeah like like i go back to i got a friend of mine who's an accountant small c conservative big c conservative he was pointing out the problems with the 10 percent wage subsidy for small business owners. Which got that, a huge boost. Yeah, well, it got a huge boost today, but I mean, it was guys like Corey who were were making the stink from a tax perspective, from a logistics perspective, who were saying, this isn't good enough. That's what the conservatives should have come forward with as the official opposition and said, 10's too small, you need 75. And they've got a guy in their ranks who could have proved it all. But instead, they ran to Robert Fife and said, you know, Trudeau's been trying to be a dictator, which there's <laughs> nothing in Trudeau's, you know, arsenal that has ever suggested that's what Trudeau wants to be is the dictator of Canada. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. So, I mean, if you had conservatives who were truly looking out for small business owners, who were truly looking out for Canadians, they would have brought this stuff forward. We would have seen a better package. That's yep. how you get effective opposition during a pandemic. Go light your hair on fire later. But. <laughs> but right now, people need help. They need it now. And they need their opposition to be looking at what the government is doing and saying, like you said, this isn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. And, okay. And not, and not like you'd be doing the same thing. I mean, I... There's so much hostility, and maybe this is a good segue into the UCP. Um, <laughs> but there's this is there's so much hostility between the UCP and the NDP over years now that you know, do I truly believe there's anybody in the UCP camp that will listen to the NDP? No, no, God no, no. That's not that's not even going to happen. But and the and the thing is, like we've got to. I think we also have to look at what was going on directly before we called a state of emergency, directly before Alberta was hit, 
and saw the pandemic actually starting to rise in Alberta cases. What was happening in Alberta is that the UCP was unilaterally choosing how they were going to deal with doctors moving forward right? I, by, can, I, by canceling I, the AMA contract. I would just prefer to go, they, the UCP had decided to go to war with our yeah. medical. So. <laughs> okay, that's, that's also fair. So that was, that was one comment that I did see a few people make that context is really important here because it would be great if our opposition and, and government could work together. However, we're coming off of this, you know, massive tension between the two into this point where, you know, where we desperately need our doctors. We desperately need our hospital staff and, and our doctor's offices staff. Like, I mean, it's, it's very, very different than maybe how BC went into it with their opposition and government. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, the opposition at the moment, you know, unless they can offer better, unless they can offer more, I don't think, yeah, just people aren't paying attention. Well, and again, that, that, that's, that's now the role of opposition, probably for the next three to six months. Yeah. Offer better. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you also need to have a government that's willing to listen. And we don't yes. have that. Like, like we had a budget passed that the budget got hammered through. So it, it was announced on a Thursday. They had the, the let's sit forever because there's absolutely no reason for to sit to one o'clock in the morning. We had the premier and the minister, finance minister, uh, putting up a video about how great it was that they got this passed at one o'clock. You had the NDP claiming that they were held hostage, that the only way we could get another half billion dollars of funding in is if we agreed. Like there was all this going on. Mm -hmm. And, and then three days later, the uh, the Toronto credit um, age, I can't remember the letters uh, they go by, <laughs> totally took the, the Alberta budget and threw it out the window and said, no, yeah. we're going to drop your credit rating because you're not taking things seriously. <laughs> right? Like There's even global... Saskatchewan was like, oh, we got to hold off on this. <laughs> Everybody held off, but nope, not Alberta because they're not listening. So even if we had a freaking opposition who was doing what they should be doing, which I wouldn't say that the NDP are, the conservatives aren't listening. No. They didn't even respond to, hey, and you got to reduce credit rating because you, you based the budget <laughs> without taking into account there's a global pandemic going on. We were already at the stage where a global pandemic was apparent. Yeah. But we ignored it. And then we said, okay, and we're going to base this on $58 oil. <laughs> which there was no indicators it was ever going back to 58. And that was before Russia and Saudi decided to have a little pissing contest. Yes. And granted, and granted that happened very quickly. You know, it, it's as much as, as much as I want to say that nobody saw that coming, I guarantee you that industry leaders were hedging their bets on that. They were looking at it going, Okay, so there's been this OPEC plus deal over the last two years, and that is scheduled to end at the end of March. That yep. will that could affect us. Guaranteed they knew. It's it's like having a kid who the homework deadline was the end of the month. 
<laughs> they handed in the report early. The teachers went, are you sure? You, you could put another couple of weeks into this. Nope, I'm going to hand it in. I want my mark right now. Okay, how's an F look? <laughs> yeah. I don't care. It's like you could, they've still got another week to go back and fix the budget. The whole world has pointed out this was dumb. And their response is, <laughs> blah, 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 I'm not listening. Like it's, it's, it's aggravating. So if, if they're not listening to the credit bureaus and they're not listening to the oil and gas experts and they're not listening, where does the NDP fall in? I mean, to quote <laughs> Brian Reynolds behind mannequins, like. <laughs> we should have more Ryan Reynolds quotes. Just saying. Apparently. Well, I'll, I'll work on that. So. <laughs> and which does lead us to uh, news that broke this morning. Uh, with our health minister, Tyler Shandro. <laughs> Where do you even begin? <laughs> oh. So, so we, we are talking about currently a minister who decided to go into a full-out war with healthcare professionals who, right. in the pandemic, decided to cancel the contracts of radiologists. So it wasn't so much that, you know, oh, wait, we didn't notice a pandemic was coming and we got into a fight with doctors. It's the pandemic's here, at, we should cancel this contract with the radiologists. And oh, by the way, we, we just spent a whack of money rolling out this app. So let's roll that out during the pandemic because nobody will notice that we already had this plan beforehand. On top of all that, he decides he's gonna go and get in a fight with his neighbor, oh. a medical doctor. And I think that was, that may have been, oh, I'm mean, sorry, uh, I'm making an assumption. I saw a doctor on his yeah. name. He could be a doctor of philosophy for all I know, but I'm pretty sure they pointed out the doctor. He's a medical doctor. Yeah. According to the CBC's article, which is at the moment, the most that we have to go on, but according to the CBC's article, uh, minister Shandro and his wife, walked over to uh, Dr. Syed's home uh, because apparently they knew each other. They were acquainted beforehand. So both served on Mike Ellis's constituency board. association board. Yeah. And, you know, so rather than phone during social isolation and everything else to yep. ask why or to, it wasn't even to ask why it was to, um, it confront. was to confront someone who had shared a meme on Facebook. Yes. 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 This all revolves around a Facebook meme. Yep. And as I pointed out on Twitter, um, this is starting to feel like the ending of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, I don't think I've ever watched that to the end. So the premise of the story is Jay and Silent Bob didn't know there was a movie made about them. And then they went, got all these royalties. And then everybody who was on the internet trashing Jay and Silent Bob, they printed out a list and then went to each and everybody's house at the end of the movie, beating them up. <laughs> they were beating up kids. They were beating up reverends. They were beating up. So, so Minister Shandro, our health, the health minister of Alberta, is acting out the final scene of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Strike back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, you almost need video to see these 
expressions, <laughs> these I, gestures. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sure which stream media the movie is on, but I would highly recommend it. Definitely, I'm a Kevin Smith fan. So, well, now and, you almost have to just to. And anybody who finds that tweet of mine on Twitter, I apologize. The actual GIF was from Mallrats. I know, but I couldn't get the actual <laughs> GIF from the actual show, and I'm not proficient enough to make my own. Ah, I also suffer from the same uh, problem. Um, so yeah, so that was actually that was only part of that yes. was only part of CBC story. That's only one part of what happened. Um, so. Also, for some reason, the Ministry of Health was going to respond on the minister's behalf to emails sent to his wife at, at their business. Well, <laughs> if, if I remember reading correctly, he actually responded to right. his, So the ministry didn't respond. The minister responded to emails to his wife, who, if if everybody who's listening to this point doesn't realize, he and his wife own a business that offers ancillary services to our healthcare system. Yes, I have heard. I have heard differing um, descriptions of what the company offers. In in one situation, I heard that they offer sorry that they help set up health benefits. In another description, I heard that. They offer to set up health benefits and also offer insurance for health. So I'm just going to stick with ancillary services. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So we don't actually know what the company offers, but and seeing we're not reporters, I don't have to go and research it. Oh yeah, it's a yeah. I should have. Okay. So <laughs> so again, we're we're still going off of one story right now. The information really hasn't come back. There, there's been no response from the ministry, but... Well, there... I mean, one, one of the things with this, as you mentioned, with the minister responding to his wife's emails, is that that was made clear earlier before the meme war kicked in, was that uh, the minister uh, did not have a conflict of interest. They did take this to the ethics commissioner, and that apparently he's got his stuff in a blind trust, which would imply... Right. He's not working with it. <laughs> so there's no and it, conflict and he's not operating in it. And that's why there's no conflict up until the point that he is working in it. Right. Up until the point where he started to respond to emails. And there is an accusation that he used his uh, position of office in order to intimidate those who were sending emails with yes. threats of uh, protective services. Now, I think that's that's a uh, that's an interesting phrase because do we consider RCMP to be protective services? I mean, they are, but well, again, this would be the accusation that the the government is controlling the actions of the RCMP, which the RCMP would. 100% deny that they're doing such a thing. So the government would also deny they're doing such a thing. So I'm not sure who they're sending. The sheriffs? Even then, it's really not a good look. <laughs> and, and again, Donald Trump said he was going to take away all the, uh, the, the network licenses of people running 
Democratic ads against him. So, you know, <laughs> whether or not you actually have the power and you can make the threat are two different things. So, <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> so even though, is... even though the minister cannot direct the RCMP, because the last time I checked, the RCMP still doesn't fall under the Ministry of Health. But hey, who knows? <laughs> so yes. Yeah, so, <clears throat> so there's a there's a few potential accusations going around. Yeah. Uh, people who have called for Chandro's resignation, and you've already said that you disagree. So, so I understand the rationale, you know, let's, let's run on the premise because, you know, innocent until proven guilty that the, the minister did partake in some professional misconduct. So there, therefore a whack of people are saying he should be removed for that. Right. Okay, great. He, first of all, hasn't faced any trial or, and I'm pretty sure there's some sort of process that MLAs have to go through for professional conduct. That hasn't been conducted yet. It's only been conducted in the court of public opinion. Right. Which of course, you know, half the court's already leaning to, he should be out of the ministry anyway. Um, so it, yeah. I'm not sure we had a whole lot of new people join that um, side with his oh, okay. actions. So that's, First and foremost, we have to get it out of the court of public opinion. We have to get it into professional jurisprudence. And, mm. and, and if the law society needs to step in as well, then the law society steps in as well. Mm. Those things need to be addressed. But the last time I checked, we're still in a pandemic. We still need a right. health minister. And um, I haven't heard that we have an associate health minister who understands the entire portfolio as well as... Uh, uh, the minister right now, so we can't move them. And unless, of course, they go with the, and was it Australia, that if the minister has to step down, they bring in the last health minister who probably would understand the portfolio quite well, but I can't imagine that Sarah Hoffman is going to be <laughs> welcome on that side of the floor. Uh, do you think that there should be an, invest an investigation into the conduct? Yes. Do you, do you think that's warranted? I, I think an investigation is warranted. That's, that, I, that's not out of the question, but the investigation hasn't even been started, let alone finished. Right. So, and until such time as we, we have gotten this curve flattened, we, we have a minister who one would hope has a handle on what's going on in his ministry. I would agree and, with that. And, I would prefer not to remove this manager until such time <laughs> as, like, there's onboarding challenges. There's always onboarding challenges when you bring in a new minister, a new manager, a new executive, whatever it is. Like, you talk about a corporate world, to replace the president of a company, you generally keep them on for anywhere between six months and three years. Right, yeah. So, so we're, we're going to go and... You know, on top of all the kneecapping we've done to our health industry in the last six months, we're going to go and take one more shot at the knee with a tire iron to uh, to replace the minister. And then mm -hmm. I would say, with who? Now, a lot of the speculation rumor is, is that Jason Kenney knows every portfolio inside and out because that's who Jason Kenney is. So Jason right. Kenney likely have to be the number one candidate. But who else? Who else is who else is in the wings ready to take on such a huge portfolio? Oh yeah, I can't. No, I can't even imagine. 
at this point that there would be somebody who would be ready to take that on. And especially, like you said, in the situation that we're in right now. Um, but, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the changes have been put on hold. I mean, aside from the uh, killing the contract with radiologists next year, just some extra time for them to think about it. Still comes down to AHS is under the health ministry, which is under this government. And there's a conduit of information right now that is coming through Shandro. And, and really, you know, is the next person going to be better or worse? I don't know, but I, this is not the time to find out. <laughs> it's probably not. I, I would agree with you. And, in, and an investigation, honestly, I mean, I haven't seen anything completed in less than three to six months. So it's... Yeah. Uh, well, hey, we're still wait. We're still waiting for RCMP investigations into a leadership race. So who knows? From 2017. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're actually heading towards the three-year mark on that one. Uh, the RCMP is not a political organization. <laughs> Despite the claims of every government out there that you know the RCMP is the patsies of whatever opposite. <laughs> so after. The so after Shandro's thing, has there been anything else? I mean, that's been the biggest news today, of course. Right. One moment. Are we pausing? Are you pausing? Apparently, uh, we are pausing. I'm not sure which one I'm supposed to get. Okay. I have to. Uh, I have to find a way to uh, support the the child. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and my internet doesn't seem to be fantastic down here, my hunter. So you say that while you're recording this call. Right, right, right. Um, do you know? Okay, so it's taking a bit. I might have to come upstairs. Do you want to do me a favor and put that recording sign on the outside of the door for me? Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> Loves you. <laughs> um, how do I take it off? It's just stuck there with some sticky stuff. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> All right, I got the times noted. I can. That's a that's a quick fix. All right. So, I mean, how's everything else going? <laughs> uh, Do you think that we are going to see more people or less people starting to advocate for economy over human lives? Um, I'm going to say less. Oh. No. Hang on. Um, That's really optimistic. Hang on. <laughs> um, I might have to sneeze, so I'm going to pause. <laughs> all right. All good again. So, wasn't sure. No, I don't have the corona. I'm not sure, but I haven't been tested. I'm not. I'm not showing any other symptoms other than I just got a tickle on my nose right now. Anyway. What were you looking up? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't want to sneeze into the microphone, so. <laughs> No, I, 
I think there's going to be a pushback. Like you're you're seeing it. Like you're seeing it down in the states anyway. There's a lot of moderate Republicans. Uh, Rick Wilson, um, David Frum, uh, Joe Scarsborough, uh, Megan McCain. There's a ton of them um, that are really upset with the Republican Party, with uh, the response of Trump, of the like. I don't see a m- movement to economy over people. I think it's. I think it's a way that some people are trying to change the channel. Okay. But that might I'm, be that I'm, might I'm, be a fair and less uh, horrible example than what I was thinking of. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, I'm the one accused of being snakes in the head, but <laughs> no, it's like. Like I, I quickly popped onto CNN to see if uh, Dr. Fauci had been fired yet. Um, mm. He hasn't, surprisingly. His um, his replacement mouthpiece um, is right up in line with all the other Trumpites. Um, you know, uh, claimed that uh, Trump is uh, fantastically scientifically literate, and the amount of information that he has absorbed is wonderful. And you know, he's going to. Well, I couldn't even bother reading the entire tweet, but um, and that I'm not even listening to it. Uh, but I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm starting to see that both CNN and MSNBC have basically said we're going to start covering the White House until Trump t- tells his first lie, and then we're going to something else. Oh, so so that coverage shouldn't last more than thirty seconds. No, yeah, people actually that that has also been the butt of a lot of jokes where people are saying that the press conferences are just awful. Yeah, watching them is is not good for America's mental health as a whole. And it's definitely not good for people who are looking for information that they need during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, put, put to Andrew Cuomo on because he's telling the truth. He's Well, yeah, because he's personally affected too. Like he's actually dealing with it face to face. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I thought you knew he was infected or something. I'm like, what do you mean? No, not cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Just, no, just, it's on his, it's on his doorstep. Yeah, and it yeah. is not on Trump's. Yeah, and so, I, I say more should be done to highlight the governors and the mayors and all the different elected officials who, in the states, are taking this seriously. I think, you know, in the era of twenty-four hour news, CNN, MSNBC, and the rest have so many elected officials to pay attention to. You don't have to pay attention to the ones who aren't doing things. I like that. And more should do that. Yeah. We're, we're lucky up here. We're lucky up here. You know, we, we have controversial politicians. There are people who like the NDP. There are people like the UCP. They're generally not the same people. The people who are um, applauding Trudeau aren't applauding Kenny and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But to the same extent, we do not have an elected official overruling the state of emergency that mayors are doing so that everybody can go to Cracker Barrel in Mississippi. We are lucky. Hate our politicians, but you like, you know what, they're all on the same page and pointing in the same direction. So it's beautiful. It was beautiful, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Give me all a right, so I'll, I'll start writing. So <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to find more uh, Ryan Reynolds quotes. The political R and D podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Political RND. Mm-hmm.